Hello everyone and welcome to Newt, maybe? We're not really sure about the name. Uh, gaming News Entertainment Weekly Tonight, a general gaming news podcast thing where we also talk about shit we've been playing. I'm joined by Manny. Manny, hello. Hello, Gotti. Hi. How are you today? Oh, fantastic. I have a coffee in front of me. We're doing the pilot episode of this creation we've made. We're still not sure what to call it. It probably won't be called Newt on the podcast, like, thumbnail. It might be. I don't know. We'll figure something out. Um, Worst case scenario, it's the episode title is going to be Newt. Yeah. <laughs> Gnut. Gnut. There's definitely an apostrophe between the G and the N. Oh, do you? Now it sounds like an old god. Yeah. Gnut. Oh, they could probably fit it in. <laughs> Are they making that dagger, that dagger lady, uh, old god? Zalatath is now an old god, but this isn't the World of Warcraft podcast. No. Though, though people may know me from for Azeroth, uh, I, I definitely think uh, this is the more general new stuff. Yeah. Word of warning: I do swear a lot. Expect swear words. If you're not happy with swear words? Turn off now. Right. <laughs> let's get into it, eh? So we have. We're going to see when we running through. Gaming news, hot takes, opinions, that sort of shit. And if we have time, we'll talk about games we've been playing. So, first things first. And it's probably not the most important thing that's happened in the recent week, but it is the first thing I saw, was Black Ops 4, the game that is pay-to-play, has a battle pass, has now introduced loot boxes, and they seem to be shitter than expected. Loot boxes tend to be shit. I think that's a resounding opinion, right? They tend to be just an RNG in fiesta. In most cases, in most cases, loot boxes are are not are just not fun. It's just like you want something, and the loot box has a chance of it, and it's never exactly what you want. You just want to get enough points to buy exactly what you want, and sometimes, sometimes you get lucky, but. That's not the case with most loot boxes. But I do want to rewind a second there, because Black Ops 4 has every conceivable form of uh, payment plan involved. Because you missed that they also have direct microtransactions. Whoa! Black Ops 4 is the infamous red dot for a dollar game. I've missed If you remember this. that meme. No. Oh. I didn't know you, you could do that. that. Yes. You can do direct microtransactions. And the big cling to fame is that Black Ops 4 it charged a dollar for a red dot customization. And this isn't a red dot site. This is a red dot. Wow. So and you it can got meme to hell. Pay for the game. You pay for customization. You pay for yep. a battle pass. And now yep. you're paying for what sounds like event specific loot boxes? I think it's event specific. Yep. My god. Now, loot boxes, like, I play a lot of games with loot boxes, and like you said, they suck because a lot of stuff's tied behind it, and kind of, you're almost just, like, trying to mill for as much stuff as you can to get enough crafting material to make what you want, because you won't actually get a drop unless you're very lucky. I sort of put up with it, because most games are free to play. This is just the pinnacle of, I think, corporate gaming, <laughs> really. It's... It is so much the pinnacle of just pure money grab. And what's horrible about this is that Black Ops 4 
didn't start with this. This is stuff that people bought a game and then the full monetization, the full economy in this game hasn't actually been apparent until they've rolled all this stuff out. And this latest stuff with the boxes is something that when the game was first announced and they were talking about it, the guy was like, no, there's nothing in loot boxes. The developer, the lead developer was saying, no, there's nothing, there's no loot boxes in this game. People buy the game following what he said. And then what are we now? Like, it hasn't even been out for six months. Fuck it was a hell. Q4 release, right? This was yeah, a yeah, Christmas, yeah. Christmas sort of game that people buy. And we're in February now. And suddenly the entire thing's flipped uh, on its head. You paid your 60 bucks US or whatever to uh, purchase this game. There's some additional customization that suddenly you can pay for. And now there's this additional loot box stuff with, with weapons, with unique stats in them. So this wow. is directly pay to play or pay to win in some cases. Because you get access to gameplay altering mechanics or weapons in this case that people who don't pay have no access to that's just ridiculous i can't think of a worse scenario like how I, do you I make that worse cannot. how <laughs> uh the only thing i could think of is that if you didn't buy the monthly or sorry rather the battle pass that certain things are taken away from you. Oh. Like the only thing I could think of that worse is when Destiny 2 raised the cap when they brought out the first expansion. Right? And so suddenly people who had bought the base game no longer had access to some of the dungeons and high-end yeah, raids. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So if we were to rate the Black Ops 4 recent decision, I'd give it like definitely almost a zero out of five, really. I definitely rate it probably the lowest news I've heard in quite a while. I think it's going under this, the radar as well. It's going under the radar because there's just, I guess, more painful news. But in terms of corporate greed, this is this is pretty egregious. This, this is, is truly bad. And I'm hoping that something, somebody shines a spotlight on this because this is this is horrendous. We are, humble viewer. <laughs> I mean, I've never played Black Ops 4. So, yeah, it just it just seems ridiculous. And, uh, you know, makes me think of the brand tied to the game. Really? About it? Yeah, this is Activision, unfortunately. This, this is Activision. The gay. And, and they are trying to fight for that uh, top spot of most evil company in gaming it seems these days giving a good effort <laughs> can, can we talk about the other end of the spectrum like a company that seems to be doing fairly good with their image right now what company is that that's nintendo yes i know right holy shit the it seems like oh we're just your friendly neighborhood company i mean they're they're Corporate conglomerate stretching across the seas, but yeah, they have such a good image. Yeah, this 
and I'm not entirely sure where it came from. It's not like they've been making the most consumer-friendly decisions with their friend codes and that. Oh. But all of the decisions they've made, you can understand what it, why they're doing it, and none of it seems like a money grab. It just seems like a we want to protect the kids that are on our uh, are on our system. So that it seems like their target audience might skew a little lower than some uh, gamers. Yeah, I feel like they're just a bit more conservative when it comes to online play. I mean, it sucks because I want to play Smash with my friends and have the people who own the console be able to play together. Because <laughs> you can't. Um, but yeah, I think they have such a good reputation. I think not so much because they're kids' games, but if there is something controversial, they tend to take a few years to iron out the way they want to do it. Uh, like with online payment for online games on their system. It took them a while to get that in. And it does have more features than the other alternatives have, like Sony and uh, not Nintendo, sorry, Xbox. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It seems to be that their approach to even systems and ways of doing things is much like the famous line of their approach to games. A late game is eventually good but a bad game is bad forever, and so... <laughs> oh, I remember what I was going to say. Yeah, the, um... Not Samus, sorry. Uh, who Samus Aran, what game was she in? Metroid. Uh, Metroid. Metroid 4 game, where they came out and said, it's not ready, not up to our standards, we're going back to the chalkboard. Just wanted to let you guys know. I thought that was an absolute blessing, considering the state games are in when it comes to companies and communicating with their audience. Like, holy shit. That blew me away. And just the humbleness of it. And it, yes, it hits their, let's say, Q4 earnings report because they didn't release Metroid in Q4 like it was supposed to be. And so now they have a hole in in the earnings there. But eventually that game hits and it's, um, and the Metroid Prime series has been really good. I really did love Metroid Prime, the original. I fell out of it and then came back into it with Metroid 3, uh, Metroid Prime 2, I, I have criticisms about. But each game, each game was a good game, even if it wasn't like the best game, right? There mm. were good points to it. Some of the games that we're going to be talking about later, and this may actually be a recurring theme for this episode, is that they're coming out rough and they make a horrible first impression. And then they need to recover from that. Oh. With Black Ops 4, it came out and it made a pretty good uh, first impression. But now I feel so, like, burned by, like, them sneaking in this stuff after the purchase that I want to stay away from all their games until six months out when maybe the real game is revealed. It just seems incredibly dishonest. The true intention. The longevity. Yeah. I mean, it's not even yeah. been six months. <laughs> since it's been out um, but the big news about Nintendo this week is that Reggie our big friendly fella from Nintendo USA is retiring, he's being replaced by a guy whose last name is Bowser I, Doug Bowser I cannot believe <laughs> that Bowser is taking over the USA part of Nintendo, blows my mind it, I think that's why this news gets so much traction is that they found a guy <laughs> He's confident, and they're going to put him in that spot. So it's like, Bowser's in charge of Nintendo? What about Wario? Why doesn't he get his shot? Oh, 
I'm I'm sad to see Reggie go. I've barely played any Nintendo games. I had a Nintendo DS, but whenever I've watched like a gaming news conference that he's in, I just love the way he talks and the respect he seems to give off to whatever he's talking about, be it games or companies, you know, indie gaming like Shovel Knight and shit, you know, and he just seems to love games and puts that first over the corporate stuff. And I think he will be missed a lot because he seems to be, you know, he's a bit he's a bit meme magical. I think memes are the way that the world is running at the moment, especially for our generation. Like, you know, I think he is he can be copy pasted onto images. <laughs> he's enthusiastic. He definitely has like energy about him, and yes, that makes him like quite easy to meme, but. Like, yeah, that's just that, like, enthusiasm that he has for, like, anything he's talking about. He's very engaging, and it's just great to get a presentation from him. I wish I had that enthusiasm. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I did. Honestly, just a general thing, enthusiasm is there for a lot of people. Even the people who are hating on stuff, they do so because they have that passion, that enthusiasm. It's just the way they present it. His enthusiasm is generally positive. Some people have have a very sarcastic twist to their enthusiasm. And some people are just those like, I'm going to burn the place down because they touched what was sacred to me. Yeah, they nerfed my mind play cast time by half a second and now I'm, I, Blizzard is dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I think it takes a little bit more for some people, but yes, exactly that. That the one little thing you mess with my class. I've got my pitchfork at the ready. That's a type of enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. People are just passionate. Um, exactly. But I, I feel like Reggie was just like passionate and very, very humbling and down to earth for a guy who is a that high up in the company. Yeah, ne- definitely felt down to earth. Very definitely relatable. Very... Exactly. And that that's going to be missed. Um, Doug Bowser has been with the company for a while. He, I believe he is part of the financial that he's now moving over to this. We'll see uh, his presentation. E3 is going to be coming up in a couple of months. Weird thing about that is Sony's not going to be at E3. I'm not sure if you heard about that. No. Oh, no. that's Sony has decided about to skip out E3. And I feel that's a very bad move on their part. Just not being part of the conversation. And so now we're hearing rumors about other companies really gearing up to capitalize on Sony's absence. Hmm. Sony did a really good job last E3 of this commanding the show. And now Microsoft is planning on announcing not one, but like multiple um, new consoles. That's interesting. Why, why, why would they, they've got, that's not like they're just working on one game. They're a game publishing thing, so they must have multiple things in the work. Why would you not just use the opportunity just to release one game? Unless you don't have a game to release. Maybe that's it. Again, again, like they don't, the strength for Sony has never been their internal teams. Like, yes, they have purchased other uh, companies and put them on exclusive rights. So like, Naughty Dog is a big one because everybody loves uh, the games that they put out. Crash Bandicoot, and... bitch. 
childhood. <laughs> oh my god, I love Naughty Dog. I I was thinking more like you know The Last of Us and some of the <laughs> really big ones that have come out lately that <sighs> I love. Not so much. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know. I, I mean, yeah. If you want to go that spiral route, like that was that was something that people loved. Oh, it's close to my heart. It's what I grew up on. There you go. So I I can't see that they don't have something to announce, but they decided against uh being having their presence. And like I said, they're never being like their primary thing. It's just being like, look at all these games we have. We have a selection for everybody. While Nintendo has always been about their first party and less about like the third party games. So Sony doesn't need to bring their own little silver bullet. They just bring out an arsenal of stuff that's being supported on their system and say, we're still the best place to get the best games. And it seems very odd that they wouldn't be at E3. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, that, that'll be something that we talk about if, uh, if uh, that comes to fruition come. <laughs> we do another yeah. episode yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh shall we move on to anthem because okay. yep. i have not played anthem all i know about anthem is the advert that plays on twitch with the terrible music <laughs> that's off with i don't even want to say it's some I, I, I. It was all that you can hear at the start, and at the end, there's some guy laughing hysterically, and he gets into a suit and he jumps around. That's about all I know about the game. Oh, you, wow. Okay. on the other hand, know a lot more than me. <laughs> and I'm the complete opposite, because uh, I'm one of those people who uses ad blockers, so I don't see those ads on Twitch. Forget that. <laughs> oh. So for me, I got into this through word of mouth, just hearing about it before it was coming out, and then. Uh, a friend of mine was saying, oh, like, I'm going to be in the VIP demo. So, jumped into that, played it, enjoyed the core part of it, felt... If you've seen reviews where they talk about how sparse the free play is, how the end game is somewhat thin and doesn't have a lot of content, that's true. The core gameplay, though, is really solid the use of abilities the way that things combo together the squad if you can like roll up in a four-person squad and just play through that it is a very fun experience for what is there isn't it like an it's... arpg that what would you no call no it? no what, what would you call uh, the game rpg <sighs> yeah you know what i guess it is an arpg because there's it's definitely action but like i barely want to call it an rpg because there's no stat screen ah. the the weapons that you're using you just sort of slot in and they color code from like common uncommon rare and epic so you want to get to those purples and then based on those purples it's it, the it's almost like a loadout that you would have in like black ops or battlefield Right. Yes, there is a power level in them where the more rare an item is, the stronger it is. But there is a difference between using sort of a shotgun weapon versus a sniper weapon, because if the enemy is just too far away, it doesn't matter if you've got like an epic shotgun, that common sniper is going to just do better for you. And this you'll is... switch out your... Sorry, I was Go just going to say, this is stuff I've learned recently playing Apex. You can't shoot people with a shotgun if they're far away. 
Harsh lesson, yes, Matt. Yes, you can in Apex. I'm going to tell you about that later oh. on. <laughs> Excited. <laughs> so, the crazy thing about this game is how solid the core of it is, but how fragmented everything is, else is around it. And I feel like this is another situation where there's a push to monetize it in a certain way. And so the core game that wanted to be created wasn't quite created. And that leads into the live service stuff. We got a sort of roadmap recently about like the stuff that's down the line because the launch was rough. There's no two ways about it. The people who love it know that there's rough edges. The people who really are going against those rough edges, which are mostly critics, they are saying that like there's a lot lacking in this. And the uh, developers, the producers came out and said, yes, you know what? We've got some work to do. We've put out this day one patch, but that day one patch came after all these people who got their early access have been playing for a week and have been dealing with stuff that really should have been there on an actual day one. Yeah. Games as a service. Right. <laughs> yep. But the stuff that they're putting in that they've that they've outlined for the next little bit is very promising. Before mm. the end of the month, and we are late into February. At the time of this recording, it's the twenty fourth in in the US and in New Zealand, it, it, it's the 25th, right? Yeah. We're, we're it's, recording Monday for you? It's 9.45 in the morning. Monday morning. 25th, I have a cup of coffee. Birds are not singing because it's fucking hot. <laughs> They're probably dying <laughs> like me. Yes. We're late into Feb. Yeah, so this... You guys, you're getting international perspective. We've got... We've got me sitting here in the snow in Canada, and we've got a, a guy melting in New Zealand oh, with the birds unable to sing. Fucking, I am melting. <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's awful sleeping at the moment. I've had to change my duvet three times. Oh man, oh man. Yeah. I I am actually jealous because it's we're getting like freezing rain that's converting into snow oh, in the God. next couple of hours here. Is it rain that like attacks you when it comes down because it turns to hail? <laughs> that's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> so, regardless of the weather, the, the stuff that they are showing coming up in the next couple of months is fast and furious. They've got stuff coming before the end of the month, right, which is in the next four or five days. They've got stuff slated, and I mean like New new dungeons and raids, new uh, guild support is next month, right? So you have like your guild clan and all of that sort of stuff coming in next month. Um, additional content, world events, and at the uh, at the end of their roadmap, which is I believe May, so we're looking at like three months. Well, three and two weeks, right? Um. We're looking at a new cataclysm coming, which was a huge part of the main storyline that then became their first raid in uh, offering in the uh, end game. So if that cataclysm and the stuff that they're offering is solid content and really adds to the world, Anthem can be a very solid game. I hope so. I don't like it when games just come out bad and then don't seem to find their feet. Especially when it comes from like big AAA gaming and stuff like that, and they look so pretty and so nice. And 
the stuff I have seen of just people running around with game, like in the just core gameplay of fighting stuff, it looks great. The way the movement and stuff, and all the fancy attacks and the spinning, uh, looking like Crash Bandicoot. Going back to that game <laughs> with just spinning. <laughs> um, I hope so because we're in such a weird state, like you said, where games are coming out in. Just rocky places, left, right, and center. It seems to be so common nowadays. And so weird from places that you'd think would have the most support to make the best game you can. Just seem to be missing just core gameplay chunks. Or core chunks that just make... Like, it boggles your mind why it's not in the game. Or it's done a certain way. Um, because it just seems to have been intentionally missed out sometimes. Yeah, and it really feels that a lot of this stuff, at least the stuff that's coming in next month and the stuff that's supposed to come at the end of this month, should have been there from day one or day negative five when they they let their their uh, premium subscribers play and get the early access. In my opinion, there's a really bad trend where these live service games are pulling things out that should be there on launch just so that they have something substantial to offer as part of the live service. And that, in my opinion, is bad. It goes right back to Black Ops, where there's a lot... If I were to rate this game based on what was there on launch, it gets a really lower rating than if I'm to rate the game four weeks later. Yeah. That's... Yeah, and That's how, weird. as a consumer, do we make like an informed decision? Is every game a wait-and-see? I feel it's almost like the popularity of free-to-play games and the success of free-to-play games, and people are seeing the trends of people will buy stuff in the game continuously so long as being supports continuously, is coming to every game, whether it's free-to-play or not. And I think you're right about having sustainability there in the form of new content directly after launch might just be them cutting stuff out for launch for it to be repackaged later, which is kind of sad. Yeah. I, I think that if you are going to pay uh, up front, there should be content in there to last you a good amount of time. Yeah, and I yeah. don't mean that you need to say that like, oh, this has got to be a 60 hour playthrough before I get to any DLC stuff. That's not what I mean. I just mean it needs to be a solid, self-contained experience, whether that is 6 or 60 hours that you would pay that $60 for. Anything beyond that, that's DLC or, and stuff. And if it's a if you put in like day one free DLC I'll on Onto that, I'll count that as part of the package because whatever. I will as too. soon as it's like a month out or a couple of weeks out and it's part of a subscription uh, service or even if it's free and it's two months out, I can't say that it's part of the, the initial offerings and therefore I'm going to judge your game without that. Speaking of games that are sold in a package and self-contained, the Civ 6 expansion came out and I'm not really sure if I regret buying it or not. I kind of feel like I do. I kind of feel like I don't. <laughs> it's very expensive for DLC. I think it costs me like 59 New Zealand dollars. It's the price of like a full game for an expansion. I mean, wow. you're used to that 
with fucking World of Warcraft, but this is a very different kettle of fish with being a Civ expansion. Um, I am playing it now predominantly with a friend at night. He's Australian, so it works out really well for the both of us because I tend to be a little bit of a night owl. I tend to go to bed at 1 or 2 a.m., and obviously he stays up till midnight. So when I'm up late, it's kind of good time, good night time for him. And we're playing together, and it's much fun, multi, much better for me personally, multiplayer. Um, I do actually really like the expansion and what they've added. I like the new sieves. I feel like it's very interesting. I feel like the entire product as a whole, as a whole, is solid. And you're starting to have games now where you have those really big stories, like you expect from Civilization games, where every story from each game you play is very unique because they've added now a lot of really cool features. Like, for example, my capital got flooded because we burnt too much coal. So my people had to make a new capital up the road, which was awful because it was a tundra fucking wasteland, but the capital sucked. We couldn't live there anymore because we burnt too much fossil fuels. <laughs> I love that. I love all the new stuff they've added. But 60 bucks? Like 60 New Zealand dollars? Like that's how much I pay for full price games sometimes. Or so this. <laughs> Just... So would you would you have bought this if let's say it wasn't Civ? If this was like a standalone game that was like we're going to use this engine, but we're making our own game. Would you have bought this for sixty bucks? Depends completely on the gameplay stuff because Civ Six has a few issues with. Uh, oh no no! Including all the gameplay stuff, it's just a reskinned Civ Six, but they've added this this feature and they've decided to sell it as a separate game. You don't need to buy the original Civ Six. Would you buy this game? The whole thing, the same money, or uh, the whole expansion? It can't include any of the features added from previous expansions because you've paid for that separately. I'm not sure. Because I'm kind of confused by what you're asking. <laughs> okay. It's like... Okay, let's relate this back to World of Warcraft. Yes, let's do. If... If you were to purchase Battle for Azeroth, and you started at level 110, right? You got your leveling experience, and you got to, uh, got to the end game, and you were... And you were just playing BFA stuff. You couldn't go back to old world stuff. Ah. Would that be worth it? Ah, and you're asking that about Civ Six as the expansion itself Correct. worth the money taking away all the stuff they added before. Correct. Um nah, I'd wait for sale. I really would. There you go. Um I think it's good new features, but I'd pay forty dollars for it, I think is a reasonable price. Twenty dollars more. Um, it's definitely not a standalone thing by itself. It needs the previous expansion and the base game to work well. It is an evolution of what they already have, and it's iterations on some really cool ideas from past games, and some new fresh stuff. Like, I really like it. The only bit of thing is it costs too much, opinion. Okay, so... How about that for our uh, rating system for this cast uh, as a whole? Oh. When we're talking about games, it's a Buy it right away. Wait till it's on sale, or avoid. Wait till it's on sale. We'll give that a we'll give that a wait, bitch, because we'll <laughs> it's way too expensive. I mean, if you've got money to burn, go for it. I did. That's why I bought it on day one because I'm a fan of the series. I'm a fan of the game. 
but on reflection, I kind of regret not waiting a bit because it was very dear. Yeah, and kind of applying that logic back to uh, other other stuff we've talked about, I guess Black Ops Four, um, based on everything that's been coming out, I'm gonna say that's an avoid. Even oh, if you put yeah. your money down, you're still gonna have to put more money in. So don't bother starting. I mean, if you're for... if you're a super fan of the game and you can get away with paying what you want, fine. But if you hate these sort of business practices, you sort of have to put your money where your mouth is, really. I mean, if you love the game and love it so much, fucking go for it. This game games are here to be played. But personally, from us to fucking avoid that shit with a 10 foot pole because oh my god it's only going to get worse if they get away with even, it even even with like not making a statement just from like a a microcosm this is an isolated bubble thing i wouldn't want to pay full price to then be in a in an ecosystem where i can't play on a equal footing with the people in the same match system as me because i haven't bought x number of things from all these loot boxes from all these microtransactions there are characters like actual characters in there that you can't get right away you have to buy jesus yeah it's just it just it's the nightmare scenario it's the nightmare scenario where hey you've got the game great now add in another hundred dollars on top so you can actually play on the same level as the as anybody else that to me is a game i cannot recommend to anybody it's to me and this is sort of my statement on games as a service is and game gaming in general right now is i expect to either pay for a game and get everything in the game or i expect to play the game for free and pay for microtransactions battle passes that sort of shit I do not play games, and I do not enjoy games with a two mix, and I feel like I have to do both, because it's just way too much money. Definitely, and I'm fine with a full price game that has microtransactions, but the microtransactions are purely for cosmetic stuff. That's fair. If enough. you want to look cool and throw your uh, throw your money into like this stuff, because that's how you share your passion. If it's something where it's like hey, put money in here, you get something and it adds towards the eSports stuff, like they do in League of Legends and other things like that. I am cool with that. I like but that. But the second it's pay money to access the game and then pay money to be actually competitive at the game, that's where I say no. no it's, it's so scummy. And it's a shame as well because of the target audience for those types of games. Very, very predatory, especially loot boxes. Yeah, loot boxes, man. What a what a time to be alive where we've seen like the rise and now fall of loot boxes. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Loot loot boxes, it's regardless of if it's free to play or not, loot boxes, in my mind, you should never have anything gameplay affecting in them. Never. Because then they're mandatory. Never, ever. As soon ever. as it's some loot box, it's gotta be cosmetic. Purely cosmetic. Otherwise, you're just making it so the people who spend more money on your game are better at the game. And exactly. That's not fair. And games and, should be at least give the illusion of being fair. Yes, exactly. And worst, the worst part of it is that I can't just say, "Fine, here's fifty bucks. I want to be able to play at the top level." Right? 
you have to spend and hope that you get it within the first 50 or you're going to be spending more just to try and get that. Yeah, Especially it's... when they don't disclose odds on these things and all of that. It's, it gets real ugly. It's just gambling. Well, it is. It is. I love uh, big, big ups to uh, the countries that are banning it. New Zealand, for some reason, was like, this isn't gambling. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> I, thought, I thought of all the countries to ban loot boxes, it would have been us. But hey-ho. Speaking of other games of loot boxes, Half of Exile has a loot box system. Did you know this, Manny? I talk- no, no. Ooh. I didn't know. I, I'm, just, I'm just getting into the game, and I'm being very much like going in blind for my first character, playing through and just seeing what I can do. Every so often, I, I poke you and be like, um, I just got destroyed. What do I do about <laughs> that? But other than that, I have just been playing this purely from a yeah blind playthrough. No uh, real strategy involved. Before I get into theory news, I will just say Path of Exile is quite possibly my favorite game of all time. I've never played a game where I've been more passionate about it. Path of Exile does have a loot box system. They do it uh, seasonally, so each new league, there's a new loot box that comes out, and it's purely cosmetic, and they even show you the percentage drop chance of every single item. And I still don't buy it. I don't like loot boxes, but at least it's cosmetic and the game is free. So I don't feel like I am being hard done by at all, which is lovely. Half Exile, though, recently had its new league announced, and my rating would probably be a, like, earpiece, earpiecing stream of joy. <laughs> like, I'm so fucking excited. Oh my god. Called Synthesis, uh, which is a weird name. But you learn why. We're not going to go into too much detail of it. Uh, you can look it up yourself if you're interested. Because Path of Exile is definitely a game made by developers who just love their job. Uh, they are packing so much into this fucking expansion. Um, but I'm so excited because this past year we've had four knockout of the park updates to the game. Even the one that was objectively bad was still better than any update I've played in any other ARPG ever. That's including Diablo 3 when Reaper of Souls came out. It was still better than that. So I'm very, very excited. Uh, I believe my comments say, fuck, this looks good. <laughs> so... <laughs> and yes, you are a fanboy. There, there was that little balance oh, in there as well. I'm very biased. For me, um, I'm very new. Gotti got me into this. Uh, I have to say that, of course, the direct comparison is Diablo 3 and the Diablo franchise as an action RPG. What separates Path of Exile is that it is a theory crafters, a customizable um, min-maxers wet dream. There's so much you can do in this game to make your character work the way you want it to work. Whether that's incredibly viable or incredibly poor or not, that's up to you to make it work because you can make sacrifices to get other things to work or you can reduce the offensive power to work on defensive traits it's there's so much to just toggle in this game and they keep adding stuff layer after layer on top of it and i I don't want to go into like a big theory crafters like but like the the developers 
they just say, here's the tools, go at it. Which is so refreshing because I've been playing a lot of games from a certain developer that we'll be talking <laughs> about in a moment where they seem to just think their audience is just basic, like eating glue out of the can basic. I think you're koalas. So-, <laughs> so they think you are. Oh my god. And so just the freedom to explore in this game is so refreshing. I do recommend people who like Diablo uh, give this a shot because it is just Diablo but unleashed. I don't want to say Diablo Mortal. That's a completely different thing. Mm. (laughs) This is Diablo unleashed and it's really fun. It is a Fairy Crafter Loot Whores like Meth Lab, basically. It is the (laughs) best playground for creative build ideas, enjoying gear progression, enjoying build progression, that sort of shit. The replayability is fantastic. Um, I could play this game for pretty much all of my gaming time and I would still be entertained because there is just so much you can do. Builds you play, one build can be completely different from the other. Um, The way they do the game, and it's a way I think has really, really like done well to people's enjoyment of the game is the game isn't perfectly balanced and Games never are, but the way they do it is they just give you a whole heap of options each update, and if they balance something, they'll do it in batches, so that this upcoming expansion, they're going to be balancing all the spell gems, so all the spell abilities you can use are all getting a rework, or rebalancing of some description. Um, You know, for melee players, that means some skills may be better than others still, but they're adding in a whole heap of items, a whole new way to gear whole new progression system at endgame, new events. If you just add enough, and this is sort of the lesson I think I've learned from how these guys play their game, is people will happily play a game and love a game where they have core issues with the balancing. And I'm not saying the balancing is awful because it's a primarily a solo player experience, not a PvP game. Um, if you add enough, and if you try your hardest with adding content, People will love the game if they feel like they have to play a certain skill because it's too OP for the seventh time. They will, because you are just adding so much to the game and new things for people to play with. And I think that's a big lesson for other gaming companies. And it's weird because it's all free. Like, this is sizable content, and you're not paying a dime for it. You are not. And it is glorious. Now, I will say, um, when you get into the game... There are stash tabs. So there's like a stash system where you store your, your your loot you find and the currency you find. Um, I'd say to enjoy the game comfortably, you will probably end up spending about $20 just on stash tabs to get all the really convenient ones. I think that's the only part of the game where microtransactions feel like you kind of need them. Everything else is cosmetic. $20, though. It's a pretty good fucking price for the game. So... I'm happy with that. I was happy. I was happy to play pay that day one when I started playing. So <laughs> it was all good. Now, Manny, China halts game approval. I have not heard yeah. of this. Oh, well, this isn't even the first time. Um, for the Chinese market, games need to be approved by a central government system. If 
they don't approve it, you can't sell your game in China. And China is a very big market. So all these companies are bending over backwards, working with companies like Tencent, working with companies like NetEase to get into uh, the Chinese market. But these companies still need to get their games approved. The problem with a centralized approval is that there can be a backlog. They're a What's backlog at the moment. Now, <laughs> yep, they hit a backlog. And so they said, stop sending them in. We've got to work through the games that we still need to approve from the last time that they, ha uh, that they froze um, new games being submitted. And this is really dangerous because games have, uh, have, you know, they have their quarterly reports. They want to get these games to market so that they can start getting back some of the money they put into the development and production of these games. And now they're being put on hold indefinitely in this large market. And so we are seeing these big giants, like, honestly, Netties and Tencent, they're profitability went up 51% like a tune of 450 odd million dollars last year fucking hell right well that's uh, sorry that's that's for the quarter i apologize for the quarter but that's nothing if you look at other companies they're making profits of billions what the gaming industry, and part of the reason I love talking about the gaming industry, is that it's bigger than Hollywood. The gaming industry is the biggest industry, one of the biggest industries in the world. And so companies want to get in these lucrative markets. Companies are big conglomerates. When you talk about the evil EA, you talk about Activision Blizzard, these are companies that are making millions, if not billions. Hmm. That that makes that makes the gaming like some some news we hear about with gaming companies make me even more mad <laughs> <laughs> about decisions they make when it comes to people. But hey ho, this isn't the can first we, time. Can we you jump said. into that though? Yes, yes, certainly can. So the big news that people have been talking about that we're still dealing with the fallout of is Blizzard slashing 8% of their workforce, which for a worldwide company that had approximately 9,600 9, employees, that works out to 800 employees that lost their job on a dime. For reference, and, there's about okay. 800 gaming developers in New Zealand. Wow. Yeah. That's the entire industry getting shut down. Yep. Um, and they didn't do this because they could no longer afford these positions because the company on the same day posted record profits and revenue rather of over two billion dollars for the year jesus but part of it is that the company was making some poor decisions they overhired because they were expecting larger growth than they are actually able to capitalize on. And that's part of what the report said. Uh, though they did make record revenue that year, and part of that was because they had cut 
down on expenses, like 51% uh, expenses that they felt were needless. They still weren't able to capitalize on the full potential that they should, should have been able to. And so as part of it, they were honestly correcting some of the hiring decisions that they had made. They had a lot of duplication in a lot of fields because they were keeping Activision and Blizzard separate. And so they decided that these roles were redundant and they let go a lot. 800 people. 124 in France alone at an office of 400. Nearly half those people from that, uh, that division alone. And because of French labor laws... They don't actually know which people are gone yet, and it's just hanging over their head still, because it all has to go through uh, the French litigation system. That's hellish. That's a hellish environment to work in. Yeah, that's the biggest takeaway from this, is that regardless of where you're sitting at Blizzard, morale has got to have been torn apart by this. Co-workers, friends, people that were working side by side with you on projects that are probably being suspended, if not cancelled, are gone. And then they need to come in the next day because this happened on a Tuesday. So you have to come in on Wednesday and finish your work week with that empty desk beside you with that friend now looking for a job. In some cases, people were on work visas and they now have 60 days in the U.S. to find another employment. Or they need to leave the country. Fucking hell. That's... And it's it's gone like that as well. It's an instant... Your life is changing now. Um, by the way, we make red foot profits. But we're still not happy. Yeah. And the cost of this restructuring... Because they actually filed uh, a report... Uh, they have to as part of a securities exchange... Is that they're saying that... The restructuring is going to cost them $150 million, uh worldwide to do all this restructuring on costs of, like, you know, severance packages. And not everybody got severance package. If they were contractors or, it, or in any way, shape, or form considered temporary help, they didn't get a severance. People who were there for two and a half years or ten years, they would get some level of severance, I guess, based on their position and uh, and time served. And the people who lost out here, the people who really put the effort in to make those record sales that make that product that everybody is so passionate about, uh, those are the ones that really lost out. I heard reports that the day of, they were going down rows, telling people to pack up and go. Um, some people were told earlier, but under specific NDA, with the with if they had broken the NDA, they wouldn't have gotten their severance. That they were going uh, going to lose their job, and so those people had a little more heads up to start looking, but they had to do so discreetly if, in order to not get the NDA uh, NDA broken. Some people, yeah, they found out just ahead of the earnings call. When their supervisor or whoever was uh, handing them the news calls them to the office and says, it's over. And this is a dream job for a lot of people. 
a lot of people go to Blizzard, and Blizzard is a company that has that sort of brand where it's about the passion, it's about the drive, it's about crafting something and being part of something really great. It's about the art of it as well, like the art of gaming. I feel like Blizzard has held that pedestal for quite a while until recent years. And yeah. I think, is Blizzard after this? And I know they had let people go before in previous years, but given other news with Blizzard, and just the whole sort of storm we've had in the latter half of this year with their games and their staff, is Blizzard still a dream place to work at? Hard to say. Well, I would say, personally, for me, somebody who has said, like, man, I would love to work at Blizzard, I have definitely had a bit of pause and said, no, I really don't want to step into a environment where I might get kicked out the door the very next day, regardless of my personal performance, regardless of my contribution. Um, that's very scary. But there are a lot of conversations going on about like what we can do to like try and make things right. And honestly, if you know somebody who's working or used to work at Blizzard, help them find a new job. If you, if you're working at Blizzard and for some reason are in the sound of my voice, there is something to be said about unionization. And I know that's a very scary thing. I know it's a very demonized thing in the US where a lot of these uh, layoffs occurred. But there are good things about unionization, about the protection and the collective bargaining strength that that uh, gives. There are some poor things when union goes unions go too far. There has been examples of that in France, where the protections or the unionization might be too strong. There's there is issues as well. But uh, myself, I was born in the UK, and I used to visit there quite often. My thought is that there are higher levels of government protections for workers and so therefore less need for unions and maybe that is the solution um the other thing that i can think of is that the people who go to blizzard need to make sure that they are getting paid what they're worth Blizzard is sort of notorious for being the campus life where people yeah. live, breathe and live, breathe and just like sleep Blizzard, right? It's all they do because they do have benefits, but the pay, the like the take home pay isn't really enough for them to do something outside of Blizzard. And it might be that Blizzard becomes one of those things where you work on a project, you ship it out, you get it on your resume, and then you go find a job that pays you better. And treats you better as well. And treats you better. Yeah, especially after this. I mean, it's just so scary. Especially if you've worked... Like, I I used to work as a cleaning supervisor. And because of the way my company worked, 
I felt that at any moment they could get rid of my job because they were doing a lot of things, probably not legally, I will say that. There were a lot of shady things. We had unions because the job I was in and the, I don't want to say stereotypes, but the assumptions of how cleaning companies do things versus how they actually legally should be doing things was very strongly you're going to get shafted by the company. So it was very important to be part of a union just so you actually have some sort of fucking backup and job security is all it comes down to really. And I know it's a huge thing in America with unionization as people are quite scared of it. But I mean, I feel for the people in this position so much because I know what that's like uh, working and you don't even know if you're going to be working at the same place the next week. I've been there and just being treated like a number on a spreadsheet basically is what it is, what it feels like. You're just a dot on a sheet of paper and there's too many dots and there's too little money coming in so you've got to get rid of some of the dots. Uh, unions help with that quite a lot. Yeah. And if that makes Blizzard slower to hire people, so be it because the the correction that they're making is because they overhired. If they keep losing talent because they can't retain that talent because it, you're sitting on not even quicksand, you're sitting on a glass floor. Yeah. There's cracks clearly <laughs> forming, right? Then you're not going to retain good talent. You've seen Ben Brode move away and now he's working at his own company, Second Dinner. You could see yum, yum. other names walk away where they realize that Blizzard isn't going to have their back when push comes to shove. If Blizzard starts losing money next year, what's going to happen then? It's the end. <laughs> yeah. It's all over. Like, if you thought that this this was bad when they're making record profits... Oh, shoot. Sorry, Gotti. Hang on. It's all good. Yep. I'll keep it handy. Um, I mean, I resubbed to WoW recently to raid with you and a couple of other guild and I also play a lot of Heroes of the Storm with some other Canadians. I'm all a, I'm a Canadophile, I'll admit it. Playing of all the Canadians at the moment. I don't feel fucking good playing Blizzard games at the moment. Not at all. Not not with all the news and that. Every time I play it and every time I feel enjoyment, I'm brought back to what's been happening and how I feel about it personally. And just the Almost unsettling feeling, really, is what it feels like. It feels like something at the core of that place is wrong for this to have happened. I don't believe the problem is with... Sorry. I don't believe that the problem can be put at the feet of Blizzard. This is not something that is wrong with Blizzard as a company. This is something that's wrong with um, American businesses in general. There have been several layoffs. You have seen layoffs at Razer because they decided to shut down one thing. You've seen layoffs with Steam because they decided that they weren't going to do movies and non-game related uh, stuff. Did you know that uh, Steam actually like had movies on it? No, I never knew that. Yeah, apparently for 10 months they had that going 
and then they decided it wasn't getting any traction because much like you and me, nobody knew about it. And they shut down that division, so people got laid off. Um, this is something that happens constantly, where they will uh, where they will uh, address profits, they will address um, restructuring, and the people who get the axe are typically not the people who made the decisions that led to those deci- uh, those later decisions. No, never. Bobby Kotek is going to be making so much take-home cash. And as much as people want to scream and say, Bobby should be fired. This is horrible. Company shouldn't act like this. He's doing his job, right? That's what he gets paid to do, is to like make sure that the company in the long term continues to be profitable, continues to maximize those profits, whatever those costs may be to get those bucks in, right? And if Blizzard, despite all the negative press that it's been getting leading up to this, posted record profits, he's doing his job quite well. And that's the guy you want to be trying to make the company profitable. Because oh, yeah. that's what his job is. I mean, investors want... love him. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you want somebody who's thinking of the gamers first, then you don't want a large company that is answering to shareholders. You want a more indie company that is doing it for the love of the game and their and profits because their game is is good. Like Path of Exile, perhaps. <laughs> I've heard of this if game. It, yeah, if we're going to keep it within uh, what we've been talking about this episode, then yeah, um, Gearbox Studios, I believe it is. Uh, Grinding Gear Games, GGG. Grinding Gear Games. There we yeah. go. I apologize. Three Gs. Grinding Gear Games did a solid piece of work there. Um, Naughty Dog does great games, but now they're sort of owned by Sony. But they've been given the the ability to put out games that they love. One of the games that I love that is a sort of gem for me um, was done by, uh, I believe it's Do Not. They're a French company. They did Life is Strange, and I love that game. Yes, 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 yes. That was... I love games like that that just come out of like left field and are just lovely. <laughs> yeah. And so they're doing Life is Strange 2 now. I will play that once all five episodes are done because I don't want to wait. Same here. I want to play it all together. Um, and they've earned my loyalty. So hopefully more of that happens. But for people who are saying that like we need to get rid of this, it's like, no. that That's not what the problem is. It's a larger problem that companies when they get to the point where they need to be beholden to shareholders need to actually act on those shareholders wishes and those shareholders want profitability which means that there is going to be a sort of compromise between whatever vision it might have been and whatever vision the shareholders have for the company it's very like scientific management unfortunately yeah and they're not mutually exclusive they you can have a game that rock stars making money hand over fist and is also just playing good yeah yeah right? so it's not it's not a either or thing it's just uh there there are times when it's not the same goal in mind and you have to be aware of that uh people who want to vote with their money 
I say do it. Don't feel that you need to push money into a game because otherwise, oh my goodness, if we don't support Anthem, then that's the end of Bioware. Or oh my goodness, if we don't support Blizzard, then more people are going to lose their jobs. Your wallet can't be held ransom. That's not how it should be. I mean, it's not a lack of money thing. You know it's what I mean? Clearly not. It's not because they said, oh, it's been such a good year, guys. By the way, we're firing 800 of you. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I'm voting on my wallet. I'm not buying anything else in Heroes of the Storm, and I don't plan on resubbing to WoW. And those are the two Blizzard games I'm playing, and I'm not very happy with Blizzard, so that's my gambit, really. I don't feel like I'm being detrimental to people who I like working at the company, because the company's doing fine. Doing more than fine, really. So, I guess with that, let, let's talk about the games that we've been playing recently. Just give, like, a quick, like, little... What have you been doing recently? What have you been playing? Oh, the biggest one, and I think this is for both of us. Apex Legends, guys. I've been hooked <laughs> since Friday. Oh my god. I have no history with shooters. I think the most I've played of a shooter has been Borderlands 1, 2 in the prequel, uh, which I played through once with a mate who liked it a lot more than me. And Battle Royales, I think, honestly, the Battle Royale I've enjoyed the most before this was Tetris 99. So, like, I played PUBG. I only played it to play with um, people I liked. Uh, I tried Fortnite. I only played it for four games just to drive around in the golf cart. And then I got killed. I didn't really like the building aspect. This, however, Apex Legends, I don't know what it is, and I can't quite put my finger on it. I have a few ideas as to why I like it. But... I just keep on pressing that next play button, and even though I get super anxious about that game, and I feel my heart rate going up so much, and I feel my hand shaking, I've won two games yesterday, and it's the most achieved I think I've felt in a game in a long time. <laughs> oh man. For me, Apex Legends, I was just holding back from, because I was playing, I still am playing a lot of other games, it's like, no, I do not need another game vying for my attention. Oh, yeah, the struggle is so real at the moment. <laughs> and, like, that's great. It's a, it, despite everything that's going on, we are living in a golden age where it is a tragedy of riches. There is so much vying for our attention, so many good games, that you're not stuck on any one particular game for any reason. Apex Legends came out of nowhere. Everybody was talking about it all of a sudden. This was as grassroots as you can get for for typing a game without they, it actually not being good. Day one announcement. They... Day one launch. I think it was. Yeah. Yep. Fine. And they all they did really was paid some streamers to say go play our game, right? <laughs> get it out there, and people saw them playing it, saw how good it was, and the game sold itself. And it's free to play or originally but there's all those sort of microtransactions but this is a game that i wouldn't mind throwing money at um I kyle would, i wouldn't mind buying the heroes at least oh yeah for sure yeah um but to the point of purchasing money kyle ferguson who is a friend of the sh well i wouldn't say friend of the show because <laughs> this is the first episode of the show i don't think we have friends yet we're famous <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Ferguson, um, he does uh, enter the Apex because they're really into this game. And so he, he and Garrett uh, Weinzel have started their own uh, podcast about this game. 
But he said that, you know what? He bought skins for the guns that he liked and felt were good so that he would be able to quickly recognize which guns to pick up in a field. Oh, I've done that. I haven't bought them, but all my best skins are pink. <laughs> all the good guns are That's... pink ones. I hadn't thought of that. That's brilliant. But, like, I would do that. I'd be like, yeah, okay, I'm going to pop, like, uh, money and buy skins for a couple of guns that I, like, actually have an attachment to or think are good. I'll buy the uh, I'll buy the heroes. Like this is a game that is that is earning my money because all the little transactions seem worth it. Yeah, and that's great. So we're just to give like the counterpoint to our Black Ops talk at the at the very top. I was raised a bit on these shooters: Counter Strike one point five, one point six, Global Operations. I've played. A lot of those, I know how to aim, so that's why when we got into our first game, I actually managed to kill somebody. As far as these, like, Battle Royale games, that I'm a little new to. That first scramble to get guns and everything, that gets my heart racing. I feel naked. I don't know how to fight without, like, like my loadout where I just quickly buy and I'm ready to go. And the fact that there's so many wide open areas, I just feel exposed. Which is why I gravitated to the uh, Wraith kind of character that can like go in biz, so I can like go between buildings without like oh, being yeah. butt naked to shot. I think, I think Wraith might be the most popular hero in the game. I think she's always she's always first picked by whoever's picking first. So. Uh, I definitely feel you about you know like if this game game came out with a battle pass, I would probably buy it because if I keep on playing the game in any any medium of the amount of time I've been playing it recently, playing it for like the next week, I bring out a battle pass, I will probably consider it worth my money. Which is lovely, because there are so few games now that have microtransactions where I'm like actually wanting to buy them. So many games I'm just yeah. disgusted. <laughs> I'm like, no, I will not support this method of money making. And this one I'm like, oh, please bring out more microtransactions. <laughs> I want to buy shit. <laughs> I definitely am looking for additional options. If they want to add in like another two heroes, I'd be like, yeah, I'd purchase those just to open up the roster more. Uh, So definitely this is, this is a buy now from me. Oh yeah. This is a, this is a five out of five. This is a screaming wildly fine from the hip sniper to win a game, which is what I had. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, I had a lucky headshot, and that's how I won. Yeah. Oh, I should make. I'm, I might try and stream it. I don't know. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. It's just fun. It's just fun. It's so it nice is. to play a game that's just fun. And I didn't expect it's it to fun. be fun. It's something that you can just jump into for like a couple, a couple of rounds, or like spend an afternoon playing. I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's really good. Lovely. It's so nice. I love games that I like. I love talking about games that are fun. And this this right now is like, I feel fairly passionate about it. It's very rare do I find a game that I'm really passionate about, but I feel like this could be another game that I put up there, and I'm looking forward to investing into it, and I hope it does well. It seems to be doing that. It keeps uh, jumping on, like, highly on the most watched in Twitch. I can only assume that the game is like making good amount of money with the microtransactions. None of them seem egregious from what I saw in the store. So definitely think it, it it's going to be here to stay for at least the next little bit. They have a roadmap as well. And I think they are releasing 
going to be releasing some stuff each week for the next four weeks, which is going to be exciting. Well, did you hear about the data mine stuff? Yes, there are hero names. <laughs> of some hero names. There's also um, different play modes, so you can do smaller squads where it's like 2v2 or even a... Uh, everybody for themselves free for all i really want to do that yeah that sounds Um, great and honestly the 2v2 is also something that i was like yes i wish that was in there day one because when i was playing with you and it's like oh i don't really want a random just being as like let's do squads of two just seems really nice i want that yeah i mean to the game's credit and i think this is mostly for the ping system it's really easy to just jump in there with random. I have I have super ladder anxiety. I hate playing games with random people and pick up groups as you do in World of Warcraft and that. But in this, now that I've actually delved into it, people are lovely and they're just having a good time. And you just ping. You just ping. Ping, 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 ping. That's all you have to do to communicate. And it feels yep. Enemy good. sighted sight over here. Ammo here. It's Yeah, it's a very robust and intuitive ping system. Smart system that they designed. Yeah, and you um, ping, so people sing stuff, and your cat, you can ping it again, and your cat just goes, dibs, <laughs> and it's amazing. <laughs> oh man, that is awesome. Um, another game that I've been playing, and we talked about just recently, was uh, of course World of Warcraft. I am currently trying to farm that love rocket, which is like, I've hit this zen where I'm no longer frustrated that I'm never gonna get it, but I'm doing <laughs> it anyways. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, collectibles are fun. <laughs> collectibles are fun. And that they've added these new little uh, Hearthstone toys so that you get, like, little animations when you Hearth. I was just like, yay, this is great. And it's totally free. It's That's a nice cool. little customization. So I do like that they have added this little thing that into the holidays. I was saying that they should have done that earlier. But, hey, you know what? It's here now, and I've enjoy- been enjoying it. The Halloween one I missed on- out on because I was just busy around that time. Uh, they did one for Christmas for... No, they did one for the Chinese New Year. Right? And so they are probably adding more of these in, and I think it's a nice little theme that they have. If they want to do 2019, is like you can get your Hearthstones. If they want to do a little additional customization in later uh, years, that's great just to add something in that you can come back to these uh, events and do. I'm happy for that. The raid has been proving to be quite fun. I am enjoying I am enjoying the mechanics of the raid a lot. I'm enjoying the way that certain bosses can be done in different orders based on like how your team is put together. And when your team is just sitting there and trying to figure out stuff, that to me is like the pinnacle of rating. Like, yeah. To same. me, it's not about the win, it's about like figuring out how to achieve the win. It's the problem solving. And yeah. I think, hi, my name is Goddy. I used to be like a mythic shadow priest in Legion and what. Um, the biggest thing that made me quit the game and fall in love with the game was trying to do mythic rating in Legion. And every boss was just a... It was just a roadmap of things you have to do. And if you can't do them, you wipe. There was no uh, ability to sort of change the strategy around how your team worked it. You had to do it this way or you couldn't do it at all. And since raiding with you this month, it has been nice to see that, for example, on the third boss, you're technically supposed to kill them both at the same time. But we've just chosen to nuke down one of them and ignore the other one. And it makes the fight so much easier for us. 
it might not make it easier for other teams. Other teams might be able to just sneak down the two at the same time. But it's nice to know that we're doing our own strategy, using our ingenuity, taking into account our players and our people, and feeling good about it. And that's a lovely combination. Oh yeah, I I pugged it and did two both of them at the same time. I was with another A team. And they were struggling. I said, hey, this is the system we were using. It might work for you. And suddenly they got on the next pool because it just worked for them yeah. to do it that way. The changing the order of how we take down certain bosses on Conclave, that was so good. Even when it was like, okay, we're falling back because we're dealing with this earlier. But then now what we've got past that point, suddenly it's a lot easier. Like, I, I love that. And so really happy for that i've been testing on the ptr and doing all of those uh fights i really do like i really do like how the uh, the fights in the ptr are like you can change how the phases hit or you can affect when to use cooldowns or when abilities occur where you're literally customizing the fight based on your actions as part of how you deal with the fight and so blizzard seems to be embracing this i'm really happy for the direction that uh the raid content is going in in wow i'm hoping that, that they take that kind of creative thinking and apply it further outwards but honestly if you guys want to hear like me go on about wow for hours and i do mean <laughs> hours do have another show for azeroth with the esteemed Jocelyn Kearney. I almost said Moffat, but it's oh, not Jocelyn Moffat anymore. I fought it. <laughs> it's not anymore, no. No. And uh, and I will go on and on about WoW for that. The other game that I'm playing that is in the Blizzard sphere is Hearthstone. I tried to get back into that. I was playing that to death when it launched. I got in in the uh, beta, uh, the closed beta, played it through, and then fell off, and then tried to get back in. It's really hard to get back into that That's game. Exactly what happened to me, but with um, yeah, the Gadget Sand one. Yeah. Whatever it was called, like uh, you got the jade bitch you mean got, streets of gadgetstan yeah the big the big two-headed guy and then you've got i don't know the third character uh, meth lab man with the red <laughs> crystals <laughs> yeah that one <laughs> yeah and i got into it and i'm like oh i'm being absolutely crushed by sort of loot box system where the best cards are only from these packs <laughs> yeah and this isn't the first time I've gone back into Hearthstone, tried to get back into Hearthstone. I did fall off because exactly the same thing with you, where it's like, oh, I'm getting crushed by these cards that I could not put together, and I don't want to buy the 50-pack bundle just so I can play this again. So I've been playing knowing that I'm going to lose more than I'm going to win, but just trying to get my quests done so that I can buy packs from this expansion and from the this year's rotation, and then waiting for last year to roll out so everybody's at the same level as me. Like, I'm waiting for the reset for the year. Ah. That could be fun, though. That could be really fun, trying to get back into Hearthstone, but at like, the right time where it's actually an even playing field. 
but it's not gonna be because you're still missing the year like if you walked away for a single expansion and you came back sure but like i feel like i'm having to play for months right being behind until that reset makes everybody else drop to my level and so that's incredibly frustrating experience where it's like wow i guess i kind of have to rebuy the game because if i buy like 50 100 packs i'm paying 40 80 bucks it's insane eh? like i love that people love the game but to me it's just such a huge asking price for a game like it's so pricey and that's the thing about blizzard that i used to love that it was you're paying for a high quality product a lot of the stuff they have nowadays with games and that i don't feel that that's really the case (laughs) A lot of the time, but I feel that's more of a comment on just the gaming industry all right now. Um, uh, I would actually say it's the opposite way. I would say that it's no longer like Blizzard still delivers quality. I won't say that any of their games are don't have a level of quality. I'm going to say that the industry as a whole no longer relies on the AAA companies to deliver quality. You're getting good quality from a lot of indie level productions and therefore blizzard isn't heads and tails above anything else and can't really command the dollar price that they're asking for anymore no they cannot it feels like you're being charged extortionately when you compare it to just other products you can get easily very easily yep we're we're in a time of riches the like i said before so you can get good stuff from Blizzard, but you could also get stuff from a much smaller company that's going to charge you a lot less. Yeah. And, yeah. It's it's why I think I'm so interested to see how the whole... how Blizzard goes over the next few months or year after the amount of shit they've stirred this last year. I really want to see how it goes because they're living in a completely different world than what they're charging for, I think, in a lot of aspects. Yeah. Games? I want to. Oh, sorry. Go on. Sorry, I want to see. Hopefully, that the people who are in Blizzard, um, that are getting the additional, because like one thing we failed to mention is that they are going to be adding additional twenty percent to a lot of their development teams. So I'm hoping that that additional manpower allows them to like push forward a lot, a lot more, and like just go all all engines running. The flip side to that is that, like, they cut a lot of QA, and that, to yeah. me, seems very suspect. That's a, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. But again, I will be having a really full conversation about this um, in for as often. I don't want to turn this into the Blizzard show. I want it to be, like, the general gaming show. So... I, you were telling me, at least I see in the notes, that you've been playing old school RuneScape. Tell me about that. I've delved into it slightly. I think I've done about four or five old quests. I think my character it's like combat level nine or something. So all my skills that you can level up that increase your fighting prowess have like combined enough to make me level nine. Which isn't a lot because the XP you get in the start of the game is quite good. The reason why I played it again is because I uh, saw an advert for it, and I'm like, oh my god, is that game still happening? Turns out, yes. I remember playing it back in 2004, and I was... Seven? 
seven years old when I played it. And so going okay. back into it was just a huge nostalgia trip. But now, being the young adult that I am, I understand numbers and game mechanics. So now I'm going back into it and going, oh yeah, there's actually an efficient route for, mi route for mining this and smelling it here, then putting it back there. And I'm just loving going through the nostalgia trip. I don't want to say whether it's a good or bad game or whatever. But I will say, the quests are very different than how I remember them because they are one-off quests. It's not like WoW with daily quests or whatever. They tend to have their own very unique story style to them. Very rarely are they kill all of these and come back to me quests. They are things like there's a murder mystery in a haunted mansion. And I just found this out of the blue. And it surprised me for a game that's engine is that old, looks that cruddy, with 8-bit music almost that I fucking adore, to have quests like that, and a, a lot of ingenuity, is a really good feeling. Again, spoiled for choice. Like, I have had no time to play it with all these other games coming out that are new. This game is from 2004. But then I found out that when they relaunched it as, like, old school RuneScape in 2012, they've been adding stuff for, like, the past seven years. Or it might have been 2014, actually. But I looked through the history of, like, patch notes. They just keep on adding shit. And it's lovely. That's awesome. It's so good. Like, again, games that are just fun to play and you're happy to play them and you love like you're just passionate about people's passions almost with the game developers and that it's lovely so i do plan on playing more of it here or there like i've not played it for about five days or so i just sort of got into it when i was watching the harry potter movies because <laughs> uh yeah it is a notorious just grinding game but some people like that and i think i do in the right uh amounts and i've not really got into the grinding at all i'm just doing all the quests and exploring and it's quite a nice world it looks it looks jank, but it's enough. Like it's interesting enough, and there's heaps of people. Like the server I was on had like, and this is a Australian server, had like 400 people on it on free to play server for this game. That's so old. <laughs> it's insane. It's lovely. But I I enjoyed that, and I'd recommend if anyone has played old RuneScape back in the day, just pop in and fuck about for a bit like I did because it was really worth it. So nice. I I had never played RuneScape, so it's not something I'm gonna deal with right now. Especially since, like I said, I, I'm playing so many games. Like I did play a little bit of Hots with you. Um, playing the game itself is fun. It is. It is still fun, but it really feels like I'm playing a game that the company itself has given up. Because they literally have, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> Um, I'm a super big fan of HOTS. I played it as one of my main games for about the past three years now. And the news that came out of the company's decision to basically cut development uh, really, 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 basically just really upset me because I played it predominantly with the other people that I really, really like. And it sort of drove a wedge, direct wedge in our enjoyment of the game and still is, even though we're still playing the game from time and time and time again. It's just it's just an overlooming thing of I don't know if the game I love is going to keep on being supported. Because it's being supported with little patches and balance updates, which is awesome. But do you think we're gonna get a new hero? If so, when is that? I don't know. What about map balancing? Well they are doing they are doing a uh, new hero. But yes, we would have heard about it by now if it was still the same thing as the thing 
that's a bit this is true they and they did say in the announcement that they are going to slow things down because because they're going to have a smaller team and i i cannot imagine that it hasn't been further impacted by the uh layoffs like even their original plan like there's if they were planning to drop it like let's say in two weeks and because the layoffs they need they need another week or so because the rest of that week was just rendered moot i totally understand that like at, at this point not hearing anything from the wow team from the guys over at hots and all of that i i i am understanding of it like i once communication picks up again hopefully it'll be good but with so much less community and pr i expect we're going to enter a new era where blizzard is a lot quieter than they used to be Oh, but they're already so quiet. <laughs> they're so they're so secretive and aloof. <laughs> oh well, I mean, Holtz is still fun. It's still fun. It's just it just sucks that there's so much drama around the company, and it takes away from the experience. And you know, the game you love and enjoy is never going to be the same. It's a sad feeling, unfortunately, which is a shame because I think Holtz is one of the best mobas out there. Hmm. I, I have to say that I enjoy hot because it doesn't require that I put down a textbook and learn it before I play it. Yep. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. But nice yeah, enough. that was uh this week in gaming news and entertainment. Tonight. <laughs> Weekly. Tonight. <laughs> Weekly tonight. <laughs> GNU. We'll just call it GNU. Okay. GNU. GNU. <laughs> Okay, we're going to stop the recording and then we're going to figure this out. But until next time... Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Good night, guys. (laughs) Good night.